this is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Joe Borstein, a global director at Pangea 3, a legal process outsourcing business unit of Thomson Reuters. He's also the co-author of the bi-monthly alt.legal column for Above the Law. Hi, Joe. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks, Ari. Thanks for having me on uh, your webcast. Oh, my privilege. So tell us a little bit about Pangea 3 and your role there. I, I like to call Pangea 3 the largest employer of lawyers you've never heard of. Um, we now have nearly 1,500 full-time employees, most of which are lawyers globally. Largely, they're based in India, but we also have lawyers in London and, and uh, a large center in the United States as well. Um, we handle the important but routine and high-volume work associated with the practice of law. And essentially, the way I like to look at it is with the explosion of big data and the, you know, proliferation of email and uh, contracts and globalization, we allow lawyers to practice like traditional lawyers. We return rationality to the practice of law, but we put them back in the place they were before you know, the anomaly of big data really skewed the practice in a lot of ways that were unappealing to clients, unappealing to associates, and uh, unappealing to law firms. How has the landscape been skewed? By technology? Yeah, just it's so interesting that you're talking about the explosion of big data, returning rationality to the practice of law, which is a fantastic sure. phrase, but I'm just trying to figure yeah. out how has it been skewed. So let me, yeah, let me tell you a story. So, you know, my, my father's a lawyer. He runs a small firm in New York. Um, he's an you know, MIT-educated economist. He, he did uh, you know, a lot of securities-related work, and his biggest case in the 80s was a class action um, on behalf of one of the large investment banks uh, suing a potential buyer. He talks about this case all the time because discovery was so unbelievably brutal, he, he claims. Um, and he spent, you know, the better part of a year uh, reading the documents. Uh, in hindsight, now when I talk to him about it, that case had around 20,000 documents. Uh, I hardly ever see a case, even a routine contract dispute, with only 20,000 documents. Now we see routine cases with literally millions of pieces of evidence. And that is, that is untenable. It's, it's impossible in routine cases to, for any lawyer, no matter how smart they are, no matter how diligent they are, to go through that much information page by page. So something has got to change. And uh, legal process outsourcing uh, is one of the solutions. There are others. There's also predictive coding. Um, and, you know, the, the, there are, you know, discovery centers at various firms. A lot of companies have created their own discovery centers. There are various solutions. But at the end of the day, we've got to get that lawyer back to doing what my father did, which is focusing on the key evidence, writing briefs, interviewing witnesses, and preparing for trial. What are some of the value-added and cost-saving strategies that are shifting the legal industry? You mentioned uh, for a second there predictive coding. Are there others, and, and how is predictive coding, among others, helping? Sure. So, so there's good news and bad news. The, the, the bad news is law firms really have not adopted most of the uh, tools, technologies, and services out there. Um, and in my experience, talking to associates at really every top law firm, you know, from, from the top PPP firms down to small boutiques, um, for the most part, it is still they hire extremely smart, diligent people, but there's very little process in their work. Basically, everybody is learning for the first time on every case. That's the bad news. The good news is uh, the market's turning. Companies like Thomson Reuters, uh, and, you know, some of our competitors are coming out with technologies and services to really change the game. And to the extent law firms pay attention, 
do a little homework, um, they can really create a new service model, and I think that's what you're going to see in the next couple of years. Um, and I, I think that all they have to do is open their eyes to the potential, allow, you know, allow service providers into their practice to be true, trusted advisors, tell them what's out there, explain how it can help, explain how it can help them get new clients and make more money. Um, I think they're going to love it. And, and so you ask what specifically is there. I think predictive coding and predictive technologies in general are, are a very important part of the future. I think, you know, globalization has really not hit the legal industry yet. Um, you know, like I said, we're about 1,500 full-time lawyers, but there's no reason we shouldn't be 10,000. We should represent, and companies like ours, the bottom of the traditional pyramid, doing the routine, high-volume, but important work associated with all different types of practice of law. And that hasn't yet happened. We've been a big, successful business, but, you know, in any other industry, it would have outsourced literally everything because we have extremely talented, extremely dedicated employees um, at, you know, at a fraction of the cost due to, due to labor arbitrage. So the work can be done better at a lower cost, and that's, you know, a, should be a win for everybody. Certainly a win for, you know, justice. You can get more legal work done properly at a more reasonable cost. That's a good thing. Now, you mentioned having conversations with individuals in a wide spectrum of the law firm market. Pangea 3, as I understand it, has historically worked with Fortune 1000 companies, Amlaw 200 firms. Are changes in the market adding competition for mid-sized and small firms? Uh, absolutely. So I, what we're seeing is so certainly large firms use us all the time. They're still our kind of biggest, biggest customer. But frequently, they're using us, as I would say, defensively. When a client is upset with the bills, when a client can't afford the bills, they'll come to us and they'll change their model. Smaller firms are using us in a way that I would call offensively. They are using us as part of their pitch. Um, small firms that have, you know, extremely talented, extremely credentialed people from, you know, schools like Harvard and NYU Law and, you know, top firms like Quinn Emanuel, Paul Weiss, you know, breaking off, starting their own shops and realizing that with, you know, a couple partners and a couple associates and the, the backing of high technology and services like Pangea 3, there's absolutely no type of case they cannot handle. And the market's reacting. They are, in fact, landing gigantic cases that I think, you know, in the past they wouldn't have even bothered pitching on because it was actually impossible for them to handle it. Now, not only is it possible, but in, in, in a lot of ways they might be actually better suited to handle them because they're used to leveraging, you know, the best of technology and globalization in a way that sometimes large firms aren't. Now, large firms can easily jump on the bandwagon. There's no reason they couldn't be pitching that as well. You know, in the race for new business, there's nothing special about those smaller firms, but I think, you know, it's, it's often the, the small newcomers that are looking to, to upset the status quo. And, and, and that, in fact, is happening. In the column that you co-author with fellow Pangea 3 director Ed Sohn, you highlight examples of what you're calling the not-so-new normal that has revolutionized the law firm business model. What are some trends that you're seeing? Right. I mean, you know, an example of the not-so-new normal, I would say, you know, is us. We're, again, we're 1,500 full-time people. This is not, you know, a scrappy startup anymore, unfortunately, that we like to call ourselves that. Um, you know, predictive coding as well. You know, that was, it was the hottest new thing a couple of years ago. You know, now it's being run as often as a matter of course. Uh, you know, just in terms of cost, like all technologies, the cost has come down dramatically. Most of the leading providers bundle it in with their e-discovery service. They do not charge additional for, for the predictive coding technology. That's, that's really interesting. That's, you know, to me, that's a great example of the not-so-new normal. 
Um, it's just part of the package now. Um, and what, you know, with with some of our competitors, um, you, you see firms coming to them as an absolute matter of course. This is simply how they handle discovery. So I think I think those are a handful of examples. Um, you know, within the, the law firm world, there, there's some there's some negatives to that. There's been you know less people moved to the partnership ranks, and those those that have been have often been moved to a non-equity position. Um, you know, that that's kind of the downside. The upside is that there's all kinds of interesting opportunities outside of the Animal Law 200. And, uh, you know, Bruce McGillan, the, uh, the the author that writes Adam Smith Esquire, made a great point on, our, on a panel yesterday that in every other industry to think that there are only 200 worthy employers is absurd. Um, you know, in the finance industry, you have the large banks, the mutual funds, the hedge funds, and, you know, one is not more prestigious than the next. There's all kinds of interesting ways to make an impact in your field and make money. And I think the same is true in the legal industry, and it's more true now. Um, you know, creating new technologies, creating new services, and creating uh, new outsourcing opportunities. Those are excellent and interesting ways for people to make a living and to improve the legal system, which is, I think, what most you know young idealistic law students want to do. And those opportunities are there, and they're new and they're exciting. Where do you see this sector headed in 2015 and beyond? Oh, <laughs> that's an, predicting the future is an interesting question. Um, I, you know, I, I, I do think it's going to head uh, more towards commoditization, more towards running these law firms like a business. I mean, if you look at uh, in the U.K., uh, they're now allowed to, you know, incorporate law firms. They're allowed to take money from, from, uh, from non-lawyers which is really interesting. It means they can invest in themselves. They can, they can buy technology. Uh, every new investment doesn't have to come out of the partner's pockets. Uh, I think that's going to that's affect the legal industry a lot. It will be very interesting to see if the U.S. does the same. If the U.S. does not do the same, they're going to have to, law firms, I believe, to compete with that in the U.S., are going to have to partner with large organizations like Thomson Reuters um, to, you know, move into the future and invest in technology, invest in new services, invest in new locations um, to compete with their UK counterparts. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Joe Borstein, a global director at Pangea 3, a legal process outsourcing business unit of Thomson Reuters. He is also the co-author of the bi-monthly Alt.Legal column for Above the Law. Joe, thanks so much. Thank you.